Welcome to Continued, part of the teaching ministry here at Third Baptist Church. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, and our aim in this time is to dig deeper from the sermon on Sunday morning, digging deeper into the text, uh, into exegetical issues, historical issues, contextual issues, whatever issues come up that we feel ought to be chased down a little bit further. My name is Adam. I'm also one of the pastors, and Keith and I are going to be having this conversation. So welcome to Continued. Samson is mentioned in Hebrews 11 as a man of faith of whom we should look back and, and model. And we and our response is, but, but Samson, but he was so messed up. And my response would be, so am I. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm glad yes. God uses messed up people. Welcome to Continued. We are kicking off the Christmas season with a, a discussion about the birth narrative of Jesus. We're going back to Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 to talk about how, how Jesus was announced and how Jesus came into this world. This is a, a great discussion looking at some of these divine birth announcements. And we're going to look backward as well to see that this is a pattern that has been used before. But uh, let me ask you, Keith, have you, have you had any friends that did a birth announcement in a unique way? Every one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like the thing now. <laughs> it is. And, and whether or not it's a birth announcement or maybe the gender reveal, yeah. that's totally a trend right now. You want to you wanna let it be known about your exciting new edition, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Did you do anything special? We did. Um, so we, we announced to our families um, about Kara Jane, who was born in June. But, so this was October. She was, you know, eight, eight weeks then. We were approaching Halloween, and we just showed up at both of our parents' doors with, with, this, with this pumpkin basket and said, hey, we're just dropping by, uh, you know, wanted to bring you some treats. And you talk about confused looks. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet. This is so weird. Wait a minute. What's in here? So they pulled out some candy. All of a sudden, they pull out a pacifier. All of a sudden, yeah. they pull out some of this baby stuff. And of course, the, you know the place goes wild. Yeah. So, yeah. What about you? Oh yeah, we've we our very first child was the first of all of our the grandkids uh, on my my side of the family, and so we sent a special ornament, uh, I believe, to my mom, and and so that was you know revealing it. And then I've got several kids. We did like a picture, you know, you show the kids lined up in height order, and then a little pair of shoes, you know, yeah. the the next one is on the way. Uh, so there's <laughs> been several things. Yeah, that's um, good. Through the biblical text, we see importance of birth announcements as well. Um, not the, you know, blue or pink gender reveal, but uh, there's a few divine announcements when, uh, when God himself or an angel of the Lord will, will proclaim, you will bear a son and his name shall be this and he's going to do this. And so let's look at the Old Testament and see where this pattern shows itself. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting about Luke chapter one that uh, you know that 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 we're that we're walking through you know in this in this Christmas season Luke chapter one Luke chapter two, which would be the 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 primary points of reference for Jesus' birth the details of Jesus' birth uh, Matthew and Luke are the only ones that give uh, 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 you know a birth narrative of Jesus Mark jumps right in John jumps right in. Um, what I think that Luke is doing in his description 
of Jesus being born, what happened, um, uh, you know, the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary um, and, and the announcement of you will have a son. I think, I think this pattern he's picking up on from the Old Testament, and he's sort of echoing um, some major events in the Old Testament of some major figures being born to say that, hey, in the same way that God worked back then through, uh, f- through men who are either not conceived yet in their mother's womb or have just been conceived in the same way he's, he, has, he had big plans for them, in the same way he has big plans for Jesus. Oh, but hold on. Not in the same way, though. In a much greater way. So Luke is echoing the Old Testament, um, but he's also going to show us, as we'll get into, the conception, uh, the birth, and the life of Jesus is going to be very different. Now, what is he echoing, though? It's interesting. If if I were to ask, who do you think in the Old Testament um, had a birth announcement similar uh, similar to Jesus? Uh, the answers would probably be, well, uh, maybe Abraham. Um, Isaac, Jacob, uh, certainly Moses, probably David, David right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe Elijah, uh, maybe one of the greater kings down the line, Josiah or Hezekiah. Uh, and you find that it's that it's uh, kind of a motley crew um, of, of those who had birth announcements similar to Jesus's. The first one is in Genesis 16, and it's none other than Ishmael. Um, Hagar, uh, was was you know essentially uh, Sarah's slave, Egyptian slave woman. Um, Sarah says, "I'm too old. Um, you know, my husband needs an offspring. I can't. I can't do it. I'm barren. You you go. You make this happen." And of course, you know uh, they they do. And Hagar becomes pregnant, and Hagar gets kicked out of the house. Yeah, we were talking about Abraham in yes early in Genesis. Yeah, and the promise that Abraham has received from God, and yet so many years have passed, and Abraham is waiting to see the fulfillment yeah. of this promise, and, yeah. and no heir is produced. Yeah, and Sarah says, obviously it's not through me, so you're, you're here, you're in our household, Abra- Abram, take, you know, take her as your wife, and, um, and surely, I guess, you know, it's through Hagar. Um, that you're that that you will fill up you know um, all, this world with your descendants as many as you know the, the as many as the stars in the sky or the the, the dust on the land. So after that happens though, um, somebody gets jealous, uh, Sarah, and um, she mistreats her. Finally, Abraham Abraham says, "Hey, do what you need to do." Okay, he, so he's you know he's like. I, I, you know, I'm tired of this domestic dispute going on. So she kicks her out of the house, and and Hagar is essentially kicked out to die with with this son, um, um, growing inside of her. And so an an interesting figure appears to Hagar in the desert. Verse seven of Genesis 16 says, "The angel of the Lord found her by spring in the wilderness. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress." The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. The, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring, and they will be too many to count. Then verse 11, the angel of the Lord said to her, you have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. He will settle near all of his relatives. So you have you know, this pattern of you will, you will conceive and bear a son and you shall name him dot, dot, dot. 
and he will be this, and he will be this. You know, he says, you know, he'll be great. He'll be might. He'll be a mighty man. Um, be a man of conflict. Um, interesting is, to see. It that, is interesting, and and it's interesting that this very first birth announcement that we have is is not the answer. Yeah. You know this this uh, connection with Abraham trying to fulfill his own destiny. It wasn't the right way yeah. from the very beginning. It, it was always destined to fail. Yeah, yeah. And yet you see, you know, the grace and mercy of God for Hagar, who was really used in this situation, um, and, and for her son. Um, but because he was conceived out of faith and in sin, you know, God, God is going to prosper him but he's not the child of promise. You know, it's, he's, he's going to be a man, and his family are going to be men and women of conflict, which is, which is interesting. You know, if you have a conversation about, you know, his descendants all the way to today, there's still strife going on. And so the second divine announcement of a birth is, is again in Abraham's family. Yes, and this time this is the child of promise. This is the child of faith in the next chapter. Um, so God comes to to Abram and, and Sarai and um, and and you know he he has some specific things to remind them of in, in Genesis 17 verse 15 God said to Abraham as for your wife Sarai do not call her Sarai for Sarah will be her name I will bless her indeed I will give you a son by her I will bless her and she will produce nations kings of peoples will come from her Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. Wow, he so loves Ishmael. He, yeah, he does. He wants Ishmael to be the child of promise, but yes. that is not God's plan. It wasn't God's plan. But God said, No, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. So once again... You, you, you have that pattern beginning with Ishmael, the pattern once again. No, you will have a son, and his name will be, and I will do this through him. So an interesting aspect of this announcement is it's not an angel of the Lord speaking, but it is God himself talking to Abraham. Yes. Elohim is speaking to Abraham, and he falls on his face and receives this message. Yes, yes, he does. And he, and he receives it in faith, even though he doubts. Um, and we see God, the promise keeper. You know, we're naming this Christmas series God, the promise, you know, the promise keeping God. And he kept his promises and Isaac was born. Now, again, you know, you would go down the line and you would think, okay, surely with the important men being born, we're going to have the same sort of thing. You shall, you shall, you will have a son. You shall name him. He will do this. But you don't get that specifically until Samson in Judges. That is, it is so odd that all these other great men we mentioned earlier, Moses and David and, and, and the prophets, they don't get a birth announcement. Even though they were used greatly, Samson is the only other explicit divine birth announcement in the Old Testament that follows the same pattern. Yes, it, do, it, it does. And it's, and it's interesting thinking about Samson the man, um, you know, a lot of times we readers and interpreters of Scripture have a hard time wrestling with Samson, you know, sometimes. Okay, was he a godly man or was he not? Was he obedient or was he just a savage out for revenge? Um, here's one thing we know. God used him. <laughs> uh, he used him in a, in a mighty way. And I think in, a, in, 
in more ways than not, Samson serves to us as sort of a warning um, of a man, you know, controlled by his flesh, his own desires, sort of a, uh, uh, a fast-paced, loose, you know, whatever he's feeling, lifestyle. And how that eventually destroys you, yeah. yet you can always turn back to God. Yeah. You, you always have the opportunity to, uh, to obey him and be faithful. Yeah. Even in your darkest moment, yeah. um, turn to God. Yeah, that's right. And Samson is mentioned in Hebrews 11 as a yeah. man of faith of whom we should look back and, and model. And we, our response is, but, but Samson, but he was so messed up. And my response would be, so am I. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm glad yes. God uses messed up people. Yes. My goodness. Um, so, so anyways, you know, Samson, will, Samson was, a, was a mighty man of God, a force to be reckoned with, and he gets a similar birth announcement in Judges chapter 13. Now, there's a man named Manoah, and he has a wife of whom uh, a certain someone appears to. So uh, Judges 13 verse 3, the angel of the Lord, there he is again. The, the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, is it true? It, or he says, it is true that you are unable to conceive and have no children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. And it goes through some of the guidelines. Now, please be careful not to drink wine or beer or eat anything unclean, for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. So again, you, you have this pattern. You will, you, O oh barren woman, will conceive and have a son, and he will be great in God's sight. And he will, even, there's salvation language here. He will begin to save his people, which, which essentially mirrors what angel Gabriel said to, to Mary in, in Matthew one twenty one. Name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Samson is, uh, is one, like Ishmael, like Isaac, who has this similar uh, birth announcement pattern. But then we jump forward to the New Testament, and the next divine announcement is given to Zechariah as he is performing his priestly duties, and we see this pattern unfold again. Describe what Zechariah hears. Yeah, you know, what's so cool about Zechariah and Elizabeth's story is, you know, Zechariah is on priestly duty. And he's in the temple, and he and his job is to, you know, make intercession, is to pray, you know, for God's will to be done, for God's kingdom to come. But he's, he, I'm sure he's doing that, but he's also in there praying for personal needs. He's also in there begging God that he would answer their prayers, which reminds us, um, it's never inappropriate to ask God um, the, the, the desires of your heart you know, through the grid of God's word, through the grid of God's will, you know, um, obviously not sinful desires, but hurts, pains, sufferings, struggles, you know, um, the, the God interweaves our lives together with his overarching will, and you see that answered with Zechariah and Elizabeth in the birth of John. It's just so interesting. I'm reminded of how James says, but when you pray, Pray in faith, don't doubt. Yeah. Because you kind of see that in Zechariah too. He's praying for this, and I think he's sincerely asking, but then when when God answers his prayer, he can't hardly believe it. Yeah. He questions it. And yeah. and because of that questioning, we see that he loses his ability to talk for nine months. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So so Zechariah's in there and and he's and he's praying, and all of a sudden, 
verse 10 of Luke chapter 1, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John, for there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So this is quite the mighty um, birth announcement, isn't it? That's, that's, That's much more... Uh, intricate than the previous in the Old Testament that that packs a lot more punch um, of of who this man John will be. You, O barren, uh, O O husband of barren woman, will bear a son, and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will turn many to him, and he will go before the Lord himself, actually. Which brings us to the divine birth announcement of all birth announcements. Yeah. Jesus' birth announcement to Mary and how this announcement does follow these same pattern. You shall bear a son, his name shall be. But yet there, there are so many differences as well. Um, let's look closely at, at the unique aspects of Mary's announcement and, and see just how this points to the utterly unique God-man that Jesus yeah. will be. Yeah. So this is the finale, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this yeah. is the climax. This is the culmination of all birth announcements, mm-hmm. birth narratives, and it is the birth announcement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, Gabriel appears to Mary in Nazareth. We're going to get to this in a few minutes, but uh, just the just you know the amazing nature of how God works, the great messenger angel appearing to a lowly woman in a lowly town um, and, and, you know, follows the same pattern. The angel ca- came and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. She was deeply troubled. You know, she's terrified as well. This is ga- the, the mighty Gabriel. The angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. So there it is. There There's it is. that pattern. And furthermore, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, let's ask this question. How is this different than the previous ones? In every way, in in eternal ways. You know, the... You know, know, Ishmael, he'll be the father of a nation of mighty men. Um, Isaac will be the father of uh, kings. Will come from from Isaac. The, you know, my people, the nation, uh, the nation of God will come from Isaac. Um, Samson, he will begin um, to do great things and will save. He will begin to save my people from the Philistines. John, he's going to be a great man of God. He's going to turn many of God's people back to him. Oh, and then there's this birth, annou- birth announcement. In your womb is the Son of God. In your womb is the Son of David, 1 Chronicles 17. The one who will sit on David's throne forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. There's no jurisdiction. There are no boundaries. There are no borders. 
um, in the in the kingdom of this Jesus in your womb. This Jesus, this son in your womb, will be the very son of God, <laughs> the climax, the 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 ultimate birth announcement. Yeah, and and it's important to note that uh, you know just speaking to Mary, she was different than some of these predecessors we've mentioned. She wasn't barren as Sarah was, as Samson's mother was. She was betrothed, not barren. And so that provides a a unique set of circumstances for Jesus to come into the world. That's exactly right. You know, you would think, okay, after the pattern, after pattern, after pattern, God um, enjoys using barren women to bring forth mighty men of God. So you would think, okay, for Jesus, surely his mother would be barren. No, no, no. Um, in fact, she's not barren, but she's betrothed, which means she's a young woman, which means she's a virgin. And so she asks the question, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel replies, Here, here's, here's how the Son of God, the Son of David, will be conceived. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, what are the implications that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she's a virgin, not born, he, he won't be bo- conceived and born um, uh, uh, through natural relations. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then Angel Gabriel references, so, you know, Elizabeth, she, yeah. she's, she's uh, conceived. <laughs> Nothing's impossible with God. Yeah. So just as much as it is an impossibility for a barren woman to conceive, yet when when Samson was born, when John was born, they said, oh, this is the son of Zechariah. This is the son of Manoah. Um, but Mary was a virgin, just as much impossible for conception. It is an act of God, a 100% miracle that she conceives because she's a virgin, yet this is not the son of Joseph. Right. This is the son of God. Yes. This this very one in your womb, lowly Mary of Nazareth, is the promised one, is the son of David, and he's also the son of God. Um, you know, which we, um, we, you know, as we're as we're walking through, you know, this this Christmas season and highlighting these texts, how important is that for us? Um, celebrating this babe. Um, in, in the nativity scene, who is the son of David, who's our savior, but, but let's hold, cling tightly. We talked about this a few podcasts ago. This man is truly man. He's the son of David according to the flesh, Romans chapter 1, but he's the son of God according to the power of God. He is truly man and truly God in one. This is the mystery of, of godliness. This is the mystery of the son of God. And, and such a linchpin for our theology. If we lose either side of, of who Jesus is, we fall into heresy. We have to hold both. And, and this birth narrative that we read every Christmas is the perfect balance. It is able to hold both firmly that he is the son of God, that he is the son of man. Yes. And, and he is both 100% God, 100% man, able to to be the one sacrifice and the one savior for us all. Yes. And, and isn't it so amazing um, how God works and the means and the people uh, that he uses uh, to accomplish his will? Um, 
to Mary? <laughs> Mary would be yeah. the mother? You know, I, I work and teach teenagers a lot, and I, I'm around teenagers, and and I love the story of Mary, how she was a teenager. She was young. She was, this is the typical age women would be married at that, in that culture, you know, a young teenager, more than likely. Um, and, and yet we see her being faithful. We ser- see her being, uh, honest and and true to to what she knows through the Old Testament and and it's just an encouragement of of what the normal Christian should be yeah that's right and you know one of the things that we highlighted um, in the message um, past this past Sunday is uh, this continued theme of God using the ordinary. Now we were in an axe, right? So now we jump back about thirty, you know, about thirty-three, thirty-five years um, in in the story to the birth of Jesus. And you know, it doesn't matter where we jump in the scriptures; God's doing the same thing. The the just the incredible irony here that the great messenger angel of God, Gabriel, appears. In Nazareth, <laughs> to the low, the lowliest town. I mean, no significance in the town of Nazareth. To, okay, to Nazareth, to Mary, who, who, there, there's nothing significant or special about her. Like we, like you just said, Adam, she is a God-fearing woman. But as far as influence, as far as wealth, um, as far as power, there, there is none. And you know, there's a, there, you know, there's a popular understanding of Mary today. Um, you know, in Catholic theology, that the reason why God chose Mary is because she was the choicest. She was the one, um, she was the holy one. So who else would God choose but the holiest of the holies, right, um, of women out there? So so Mary's the cream even, of the crop. They would even go so far as to say that Mary was conceived without sin, yeah. which is yes. extra biblical, and we have no support for that. Yes. But that would make Mary special, it wouldn't would. it? Yes. So that that theology says something clear. Mary was different. Mary was special. She was extra holy. Unlike you and me. Unlike you and me. That's why we need her. She sort of she works with Jesus as our redeemer in this sort of redeemer fashion. I would submit that what the Bible is making clear to us is that it's the opposite of that. Not that she's anything special, but that she's not special. <laughs> not, not, not that she's not that she's the holiest of all the women of all of Israel, but that she's the most normal, and and there's nothing about her that would that would that would she would stick out in a crowd. She's she's just a normal, God fearing, lower class in a small town woman. I, I loved how the text you even brought it out in your sermon that the text says you are highly favored. Among women, yeah. not not above women, mm-hmm. not something beyond other women, but but among women, you are favored, and that is what she has. It's not anything she brings to the table herself, but it's the grace of God, yeah. the favor of God that God chose to give. That's right, and that that is available to everyone. That's right. You know, we don't worship Mary, but we follow her example and we like we, yes. we're, we're, we're like in her, you know, we're in her lineage of normal people being used by God and our and we should we should see her as a great example here of of responding with a yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I've fallen victim to this uh, when you read in the scriptures of of people you know, being used mightily by God, God showing up and telling them, I'm going to use you to do this. I'm going to use you to do this. And my reading into the text, you know, oh my goodness, what euphoria. I'm on cloud nine. God is using me. How lucky am I? But as you read uh, the stories closely, especially this one of Mary, it's, it's actually the opposite. She, in, instead of a, oh Lord, as you wish, it's more of a as you wish, Lord. I, I, I'm, I trust I'm, you. I'm terrified right I'm now. terrified. But I'm going to follow you. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, she has immediate issues. Law of Moses. Because betrothal back then was was, was a marriage contract. You just haven't, hadn't had the ceremony or consummated it yet. So a pregnancy outside of betrothal is adultery. So you have the law of Moses. You have the community looking at her. You have the guy she's betrothed to, by the way. She's going to have to have a conversation with. Um, I mean, if we think teenage pregnancy is hard in our culture, yeah, uh, this unwed, unexpected pregnancy in their culture was—it was almost a death sentence. It, yeah, it was. If they didn't stone her, they would kick her out of the village for dead. Yeah, and uh, and and so at the moment that this announcement happens, this divine announcement of the birth of Jesus, Mary's life will forever be changed. It'll be, yeah. You know, any any notion of normal life, uh, life out of the spotlight, I'll have sons who are fishermen and we'll live godly lives in this lowly town called Nazareth. It's, it's out the window. No, no, no. The one in your womb is the son of David. He's also the son of God. And you're pregnant with him right now while you're betrothed. Um, an amazing instance, the culmination of all birth narratives. And it's so it's like the ones of old, but it's so much different. So much more. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's, I want to encourage you next week to tune in and, and hear about how Mary expresses herself. We get a little bit of Mary's response in this uh, interaction with the angel, but you really get to see Mary's heart in the next few verses as she she visits her her aunt Elizabeth but then she she voices a prayer known as the Magnificat. So as we finish this conversation today, this conversation that's uh, going to continue over the next few weeks as we as we you know it culminates in the actual birth of Jesus, you know as you just mentioned next week it'll be Mary's worshipful response of being used by God, the actual birth of Jesus and then the announcement to the shepherds which is, which is such an amazing scene, that the Messiah has been born in the city of David. You need to go, you, you need to know this, right? Um, as, as we continue this conversation, as we close this specific one, what can we walk away with? Um, okay, that Jesus' story echoes those of the old, um, but it's so much different. And, and, and here's, here's the central truth we walk away with. Christmas is about Christ. <laughs> <laughs> How profound, right? But he's he's the one we worship. Um, Mary has a special place in God's plan of redemption. Um, Samson has a special place in God's plan of redemption. Uh, Isaac does. Abraham does. Sarah does. You know, uh, of course, John the Baptist does. But but they're all players in the story of Christ, the Son of David born in the city of David, born of a virgin who will sit on David's throne and reign forever. And just like those others are players used by God, 
they found favor with God, so have we. We are now the players. We're the ones on stage that have been given this, this, the grace of God um, to run and to, and to pass this baton off uh, to as many as we can. You know, proclaim that, that, that the Jesus who sits on David's throne, he is ruling and reigning now. Um, and while you still have time, repent and come to him and experience his grace and his mercy and be filled with him and, 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 and have the hope of eternal life. We begin this, this series, what, what, what does Christmas mean to you? What does Christmas mean to me? Here's what Christmas means. God is near. God is with us, Emmanuel. God is with us, God is in us. And he wants to use us just like he used Mary and John and Samson.